We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast, brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast, and this week presented by Indeed and BetOnline.ag. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. Uh, before we get into it, want to give a quick shout out to everyone who reached out and, and just said really nice things about our 100th episode special last week, um, did, a, did a little best of clip thing for anyone who didn't check it out, and uh, just just again, just uh, heard a lot of nice things, it was very much appreciated, looking forward to doing 100 more. Uh, Big Screen Sports comes at you every single week. A couple weeks ago, we had director Thaddeus Matulon, the Emmy and Peabody Award-winning director of the sports documentaries The Pony Excess and Brian and the Boz. Last time we had him on, we were talking about The Pony Excess, about the SMU death penalty scandal, one of my favorite uh, sports documentaries ever. Uh, I think, you know, in the, the pinnacle of 30 for 30. Joining me today to talk about his his second 30 for 30, Brian and the Boz, it is Thaddeus Matula. Thaddeus, thanks so much for returning to Big Screen Sports. Kyle, uh, thank you. You know, the, for for a minute there, when you were talking about everybody uh, responding and saying good things, I, I thought it was going to be about the last time I was on, and then and then it ha- happened to be your hundredth episode. So, you know, I guess I uh, did hear. No, I did hear really good <laughs> things about the last one. A lot of people, you know, were were very interested about what you had to say about the Pony Excess and, and the behind the scenes of that one. I think that's an important documentary to a lot of people. It's a, it's it's a favorite to a lot of people. But I, I want to roll right into Brian and the Boz. Uh, Let's do so, it. Yeah, yeah. So how did this one? How did this one? You know, come about? Because at, at this point, you have, um, you know, you've done, uh, you've done the Pony Excess. The Pony Excess has been, you know, I, I think by all accounts, it was critically acclaimed. I think it was, you know, very successful. And you know, you talked about last time on how much of a how much work went into just getting this one done? You know, at first you were looking for private investors, then ESPN gets involved, and 
I, was the the process for getting Brian and the Boz going a little smoother? And how did you become connected with this project? Well, smoother is a uh, mm, I don't know. I, I can't say it was smoother. Uh, my executive producer on on Pony Excess uh, said a great thing at the end. Uh, he said. Don't expect your phone to start ringing. And it really didn't. However, the Brian and the Boz uh, film did uh, did start with my phone ringing. And uh, it was uh, a, a, a couple of producers uh, from Oklahoma uh, originally. Uh, um, they were they knew Brian Bosworth, they knew Coach Schwitzer, they had great ties to uh the the university, Oklahoma University, and uh and and they just got it in their mind that like they really liked these 30 for 30s and something should be done about Bosworth. And so I get this call basically uh from uh this this gentleman named Parker Douglas and Parker basically lays out that he's got Brian Bosworth, he's got Coach Schwitzer, and he's got the blessing of the University of Oklahoma. Oh, and he has an investor who's willing to put up a million dollars. He would just like some uh, um, advice on on how to, how to make a sports documentary. Now, straight up, he's telling me that this is going to be about Brian Bosworth, and I have to tell you, in my head, I'm like, I don't even know if I want to see a movie about the Boz. And so, you know, I was going to ask, I want to jump in real quick. When you heard, just when you heard the name Brian Bosworth, because it sounds like right away you get Bosworth and Barry Switzer on board, who are probably the two most essential people you need for this one. But as we touched last time with the Pony Excess, you're you're an 80s college football fan, uh, a Southwest Conference college football fan. What was... What was your relationship with Brian Bosworth? Where you know what when you heard his name, what did you you know? Because I, I think in this documentary touches on it, Brian Bosworth means a lot of things to a lot of different people. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, is that uh, Bosworth is from is from Dallas. He's from the Dallas area, and I'm from Dallas. And one thing that Dallas does a great job of is just like claiming people and being really proud of them. I mean, up until uh, Lance Armstrong had his issues, it was always exciting for for Dallas to say, yeah, he's he might live in Austin now, but he's from Dallas. Uh, and then like there was a time when Tom Cruise bought a house in Dallas and everybody was like, oh, Tom Cruise, new Dallas resident. I don't even know if he lived in it uh, other than, you know, shooting a movie here. Um, but uh, at, at, when I was young, um, it was exciting this new character the boz even if he had gone across the border uh um we still as as dallas sports fans were you know uh, apprised of of the exploits of of the boz and he was he was fun i mean he had this kind of uh uh, villain outlaw uh um uh, aspect to him that really worked with the idea of the sooners and 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 he he it was a great villain. Uh, however, when he went too far and really he he was just, be, I mean, fully became a big jerk, uh, I was done with him. And so when he 
didn't pan out in the NFL. I mean, he had a good rookie season. But, like, for me, the whole Boz story was he was just a jerk who got what was coming to him. And so why would we want to Why would we want to mo- watch a movie about that? Don't we know the story if you're of a certain age? And if you're not, I mean, didn't I just tell you the story there in, like, one sentence? Do you, do you need to see <laughs> an hour and a half on it? Um, but then uh, uh, let's jump forward. So uh, uh, one week I get the call. Uh, hey, uh, you know, I need advice. And and one week later, I get another call from Parker, and he's like, how would you like to direct this thing? And I'm like, how much money did you say that your investor had? (laughs) (laughs) The important questions. Right. Well, you know, and my immediate thought was like, if I direct this, I know I'll want to see it. Uh, (laughs) um, So uh, I'll jump in and say that, uh, yes, they had an investor who – who was, you know, uh, basically in for a million dollars, but he was in for it if there could be a, uh, a return. And, and so I sat down with him and I said, look, here's the deal. Um, you guys are coming to me because you want this to be on ESPN. ESPN is going to own this thing if we get it on ESPN. So my experience with Pony Excess was that by the time we got the deal with ESPN, we had already spent about $125,000, and that was putting together things that, that eventually got us the deal with ESPN. And I, I, I said to him, if you can afford to lose $125,000, uh, then, then, then that's, let's do that, uh, and, and we will get started. And at, at a certain point after we have gotten started and put, stu- put stuff together with that, will be able to go to ESPN. Now, uh, before I get back to that, I uh, I just want to say that, um, so what happened was, uh, um, in this idea of doing something about the Boz or a character that I didn't have this this personal need to, to, to tell his story, uh, I just, I started to get interested in, uh, in this persona that he had created and then uh, I, I met Brian, and when I met Brian, I met someone who liked the boss even less than I did, and he was forced to live with him. And as soon as that happened, I was like, okay, we've, we've got a movie here. And especially because at the time that I met him, he was his, his father had just recently passed away, and he was really dealing with all these emotions of, of, of who he was and, 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 and uh, you know, finding out who Brian is, uh, uh, as, as, you know, uh, a man about to turn 50. And, uh, it was, a uh, the, this, the Boz character was something that he created when he was, you know, 18. And it was, it was, it was a way for him to deal. He was, as he said, he was a, he was a, a shy kid who, uh, had a lot of fear and he figured if he, if he put on this larger than life, I'm not scared of anything, attitude that he could go through anything uh and he did but but he he then lost himself in there by the way uh, i just want to note uh i do i do live in dallas now uh after 14 years in austin uh but for those who are listening to this uh in austin it is my fault that brian bosworth lives in austin these days so you can thank or blame me uh when when i was brought into the project 
uh, Brian and his his then fiance now now wife uh, got wind that this Austin director was going to come out to L.A. to meet with them, you know, to see if if we all got along and we could make a movie together. Um, but uh, um, Brian and his fiance Morgan, um, they were like, you know, we've never been to Austin. Brian, uh, having you know, gone to OU, their games were in Dallas uh, against Texas. So, so literally had never been there. And so they were like, why don't you fly us to Austin? We'll meet him there. And, uh, and so they did. And I, I mean, the, the, the dinner went great, obviously, because we made a movie, but then they stayed an extra week. And within a year, they were married and living in Austin. So <laughs> if you would have, I think if you would have asked any Oklahoma fan, where is Brian Bosworth, you know, 30 years after his career is <laughs> over, I feel like Austin is probably in the bottom five of like, like likely answers. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Cause like, I'm, I'm not, uh, a, you know, a, a Texas OU guy. I'm not an OU guy, but as an SMU guy, when I moved to Austin, literally like burnt orange was everywhere and and you know i know we're 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 reevaluating the, the the eyes of texas the song uh but but when i moved there i mean it was just such a horrible song to me because everywhere i went there was a longhorn there was burnt orange and it was like do not think you can escape it and i was just i mean it was echoing in my head i i just was like gosh i, I can't get away they're on me <laughs> all the I time mean, there's three professional football teams in Texas. There's the Cowboys in Dallas, the Texans in Houston, the Longhorns in Austin. It's it, everywhere. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but when so when you get after you meet Bosworth and you you sense you know you get that sense of okay we we've got something here with his regret. Did is that what so because like with the Pony Excess, you knew the story, you knew exactly what you wanted to tell. It was a passion project of yours. When you saw when you saw how Bosworth felt about his antics in the eighties and that character he created, is that when you had the idea, okay, this is how we're going to do this? Yeah. I mean, it, it really, that's, that's, I, there was an idea from the original producers, um, as to what they wanted to do. They had this idea of, of calling the film Barry and the Boz, and it was just going to be about the end of Switzer's time and, 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 and Brian coming in and, and this kind of thing. And, and as I got to know, uh, Brian, who we, who we knew was going to be the, the thrust of that narrative, um, uh, uh, two things happen. One is, uh, for a while we, we changed the title to feeding the monster. That was a line that Barry Switzer used, um, in, in terms of, uh, the monster was OU football and he had to feed it wins. And, you know, uh, uh, Barry will bristle, but I, I feel like, uh, in that need, uh, to feed the monster wins, he lost something of himself, and the same thing happened with Brian. In in my opinion, that that he created his own monster so he could <laughs> feed it wins. Um, but as as I could see that Brian was having this, you know, active uh, reevaluation of who he was while we were doing this. It, it it became apparent that that was absolutely our story, and it was. You know, uh, um, the the interesting thing is, is that uh, Pony Excess, that film was a very much more personal story to me uh, overall, um, but it's told in this this big, you know, glorious format, whereas uh, Brian and the Boz was not a personal story to me when, when it, you know, before it existed, but it is a very intimate 
it's the much more personal story. You you have this great father-son story, which is played out in three different tracks. And one is Brian and his actual father that he could never please. Uh, Brian and his, you know, second father, Coach Schwitzer, who uh, did not give him any kind of boundaries and he had to push, see how far he could push. And then the third is Brian and his relationship with his son, which was uh, just an awesome portion of this because the thing is, is that Brian decided he wanted to move back from California to Texas because both of his daughters, who were the older of his three kids, um, uh, um, he felt were not done favors by having gone to high school in Malibu and not having had a sort of a touchstone. And so, uh, with his, with his final kid, he wanted to try and, and, and give his son uh, some kind of more connection to reality. So the entire thought process of moving back to Texas, uh, yes, they loved being in Austin, and so that, that's, that's great. They were already thinking of, of moving to Texas, just going to Austin, sealed it where they were going to go. Um, and so we knew, though, that he was coming to Austin, and he had moved to Austin for this relationship with his son. And, you know, the thing that I... I often say about uh, the films that I quote unquote make, I I'll uh, I'll talk you know uh, metaphorically about them. I, I see these films as already existing, and I don't necessarily make them. I can just maybe see parts of them uh, a little better than than others can, uh, uh, and others will see other parts better than I can. And filmmaking, I feel, is the ultimate team sport art because we all come together and we then remove the excess so that everyone can see the beauty that's already there. There's a great, uh, I may have shared this last time, but there's a great Michelangelo quote that that I always go with. And it's, uh, the angel was already in the marble I carved until I set it free. And so that's what I see. It's so much easier for me to be able to enjoy the films that I am a part of by understanding that they don't make me good. They are good on their own, and I have to seek that good. So in in creating Brian and the Boz, we had this whole idea of uh, of Brian wanting to give this this new life for Max. And so we were able to eventually include that in the film. So let me now come back a few years uh, so you can you can get this process. So uh, uh, when we got the the original investor or or the donor, I guess we could call him now, uh, to put in the original money, uh, the plan was to go out and start shooting this film like we would, uh, you know, at the level that we'd be shooting the eventual film when ESPN would come in with the money if they were going to come in. And this was based on the idea of... Uh, with Pony Excess, the the hundred and twenty five thousand that that we had spent on that, that was all piecemeal and putting together whatever we could without this idea of you know a solid end game for it. And so everything that we had done up until the point of getting the ESPN deal on Pony Excess, uh, um, that was all with the idea that that was going to be of the quality that we were making it. We were just, you know, shoestring and bubble gum, uh, chewing gum, you know, putting together with duct tape. But then we got the deal and we ended up reshooting basically every interview we had already shot uh, um, when we started with 
the full ESPN budget money. But with this on on what became Brian and the Boz, we put um, that money to work and we shot 10 interviews at the level of what the final production would be. Maybe it was 12 interviews, but 10 between 10 and, 10 and 15. And then uh, worked with my producers and an editor and we worked for maybe, you know, two months uh really sculpting what we felt the film was going to be. I mean, maybe it wasn't two months. Maybe it just felt like two months. But then we had out of that a uh, a sizzle reel that we were able to take to ESPN. Now, so um, I'm sure that you, as a, a viewer, uh, you might think that after seeing Pony Excess, uh, wouldn't ESPN want to immediately work with the guy who directed that uh, again uh, just as soon as possible? That was absolutely my assumption, that ESPN would have just cut the check right away because I don't know anything about the film business. Right. So here's here's the deal. Like, yes, they did want to work with me again, but like um, they – but it wasn't just on anything, So, uh, uh, which was – kind of uh, shocking to me and and you know I, I I work to be a humble guy uh, but at the time I, it didn't make sense to me because I was like hey I just I just showed you what I could do with something why what's the what's the problem here <laughs> and I had I had called them immediately when I got the call about doing something with Bosworth and having access to him and um, and you know the, the the call was pretty much like, hey, we get uh, Boz stories pitched to us all the time. We're we're not really all that interested. And then uh, by the time you know we put together the sizzle reel, it's like, ah, you know, uh, it's it's a good take, but we're doing the Bo Jackson uh, film right now. And so we did we did the sizzle reel, and it was it was a good you know eighteen months, two years later before we actually got the deal with ESPN. Um, and that's you know. Uh, that's an interesting story in, in in itself, but you know there was a time where the the project really did feel dead, and I went back to the original producers and said, "Hey, look, would you mind if I took this back to ESPN myself?" And I actually worked with with um, Billy Corbin, uh, the director of the U. Uh, and Cocaine Cowboys. Uh, Huge uh, fan of Billy Corbin over here. Yes. Uh, everyone go watch Screwball on Netflix, by the yes. way. Just a side note. And uh, uh, um, his his new film is called 537 Votes, which is on HBO Max. And it was I haven't the- checked it out yet, but I'm, I I need to. That, that is about the Bush v. Gore recount, correct? Exactly. It's, it's really good. I mean, I watched it uh um basically right when we were recording the last one which was right before uh this this election and uh it was uh it was it was it was good and scary to watch uh um but so billy and i he had uh when pony excess premiered in my interview for that that played right as the movie began i said that smu was the u before the u and billy tweeted that um as the movie was starting and that started a, you know, uh, uh, a social media friendship that, that became more than that. Um, I was invited to go speak at Indiana University about Pony Excess. Uh, and I said, you know, if you're flying me there and you have a program around it, I, I was like, I'm sure I can get Billy to, to go as well. And so uh, Billy Corbin and I had a nice, fun weekend in Bloomington, uh, Indiana, and even drove across the state to see a uh, Notre Dame football game because Indiana was not did not have a home game that weekend. But uh, <clears throat> Billy thought it was, you know, a slam dunk, too, that, like, 
that 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 I should do this for ESPN. So basically, um, I I mean it was it was his plan. He was like, look, um, his relationship with ESPN was was a lot tighter than mine. He would visit with them. He was on the phone with them often, and he's like, look, why don't you just sort of sit on it and. I'll call you when the time is right. And uh, I remember I was I had just been filming a day in uh, in Washington D.C. I was I was filming um, a piece about um, frog conservation uh, and and you know just nothing nothing like college football, right? And uh, I get to I'm done with it and I'm at dinner with this uh, you know uh, biologist and his wife and we're, it's a lovely dinner and then my my phone starts ringing and I I was just trying to turn it off and it was. It was Billy, and I was like, um, "I'm actually. I, I think I want to. I have to take this." <laughs> and so uh, I can't answered turn the, down Billy Corbin ever. Right, right. So I get on the phone, and he's like, "He's like, you have to send the sizzle in again tomorrow." <laughs> and so uh, I did, and and then and then we got the deal. And you know, they. I mean, them. So that I want to go back and talk about the the gentleman who put up the 125k because that's that's a really you don't get things like that unless it's it's these kind of sports documentaries and and really only about you know college sports because that's the only place where people with excessive money excess money uh, um, already get the idea of putting in uh, money to something that they're just going to lose just because they want to see uh, more out of their, their football or basketball program. And it's funny how that even, that even applies to college football documentaries. Like college football is the, cra- and, and you hammer that home with the pony excess. Like it is the craziest vanity project for these rich people who just love to spend money to see stuff about their college football teams. Exactly. And so, I had, you know, I sat down with this guy, and by the way, he was the, 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 the this gentleman was the first person to really uh, explain fracking to me, so he, he showed me all the designs and all that, so you, you, you understand where he got his money. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, you know, you know where he lives, where <laughs> right. his money's from. Right, and so I, I asked him, I was like, what, what do you really want to get out of this film? I mean, what do you, what are you put your, putting your money in for? Because it really is just a very expensive ticket. And it came down to that he really wanted to see Brian Bosworth in the College Football Hall, Hall of Fame. And I was like, done. We, we, can, we can deliver that. That'll happen. And in fact, it did. The very first vote after the film came out, he was finally elected into the College Football Hall of Fame. And we didn't mention that he wasn't in the College Football Hall of Fame in the movie at all. And, and my producer and I, we had a few... Um, uh, knock down drag out fights or you know just just genuinely arguments that might have gotten a little loud uh about whether or not to include the fact that he wasn't in the college football hall of fame in there and i i uh, i think you might know him uh, chip reeves i think you've, you've talked to him actually yeah yeah uh, Ch- yeah chip and i had a phone conversation a few weeks ago so so chip uh uh you know, he was like, no, we need to drive this home. We got to drive it home because it's, it's just a crime that he's not in there. I'm like, all right, we, we, me, us, we are trying to get him into the College Football Hall of Fame to make good on the guy who, 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 who gave the, the, who wrote the check to get this, this whole thing started. And I was like, we are not going to mention it. We're not, there's no, there's no reason to mention it. The people who know that he's not in there 
uh, know that he's not in there. And all of this is going to do is just, we're, you know, uh, if we remind them, then it's going to be a thing. But if they see it and they just are emotionally uh, drawn to the story itself, then they're going to be like, yeah, you know what, maybe... Maybe it's time to forgive Brian. Maybe it's time to say, you know what? He was one of the greatest college linebackers ever, which which he was. And and yes, the, he's in the College Football Hall of Fame now. And and more than that, uh, the that that original investor, he's got that, and he now has an Emmy on his desk. So uh, for any potential film investors out there, if you'd like a nice award on your desk, give me a call. I can I can you know do a few things for you probably. Let's hope, uh, <laughs> but uh, um, but the you know the, the I I I'm I'm lighthearted about a lot of this, but I really have to say that that like the journey of the the Boz movie uh, and and making it, um, it was so it was such a gift to be present for the transformation of this man. Like I said, he moved to Austin and then we did that storage unit scene like two years after we had shot the interview. So the interviews that are in the movie are two years uh, apart from, from those, uh, the, the storage unit and the storage unit, uh, that whole thing, uh, came, came out of nowhere. But uh, before I get into that, uh, before you get into that, actually, let's take a quick ad break, and then we're going to talk about the entire making of this movie, because I got a bunch more questions for you. Sounds excellent. Big Street Sports is brought to you by Indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria so you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Right, go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Big Screen Sports is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Football is back in full swing, unless you're the Cowboys and you just suck. Uh, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals, team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, we are, we're back from ad break. And contrasting these two documentaries, Pony Excess, Brian and the Boz, uh, the Pony Excess is done, and we talked pretty heavily about this, about this, this wide variety of cast of characters. And it really doesn't center on any one person in particular. You get just great nuggets from all these people. Some people are, you know, offer a little more than others or a little more essential, but I don't think there's one person in the pony except maybe if you don't get Dickerson, 
Um, you know, or maybe mm-hmm. even like Ron Meyer. I'm not sure it works as well, but there's a, a big cast of characters. With this one, you already had Bosworth. You had the most important piece. You had Barry Switzer, who I, I think you probably need to. I don't. Right. I definitely don't think it works as well. Barry Switzer, coolest cat in the room. <laughs> um, is there anyone else that when you were putting this together? Because sounds like you did a lot of the interviews. You know, before the ESPN deal, two years before you, you really got you know into the weeds with it. Uh, is there anyone else re- that you were saying we can't do this documentary without this person? Or once you had Boz, it was just anyone else as a cherry on top. Yeah, I mean, c- coming with Boz and uh, uh, and Barry, uh, it was like, yeah, we got we we got everything we need. Anybody else that we can get, great. The one that you know was the toughest to get was Bo Jackson, and we didn't actually really get him. Um, he, you'll, you'll see him in the film, and it was basically like so impossible that we were able to sneak our question in with another uh, uh, project that had an interview with <laughs> with Bo and it was like it's like hey uh, uh, do you mind if uh, we ask you two questions for this <laughs> this Boz documentary I mean it was cleared with him beforehand it wasn't just sprung on him but but that was that you I mean we we really wanted to have uh, Bo Jackson tell that moment because I mean the crazy thing is is that for your for your listeners who aren't of an age where they remember this but like there's there was a lot of conversation about that Monday night football game between uh, Bo Jackson and Brian Bosworth they were like the two young stars of the league and both you know tragically for different reasons did not have long careers and the the story was always that uh, um um, uh, Boz got blown up by Bo Jackson on Monday Night Football, and really, when you see the play, it's it's that's not necessarily what happened. But Boz was this extreme anti-hero, and uh, you know the person you love to hate, and Bo was this Adonis. Uh, uh, guy, and he was super powerful, and he just had a good football play. Uh, but because of all the the trash talk and everything going, uh, you know, going into it, there was that one play where you know uh, Bo runs right into to Boz and keeps right running right into the end zone, and that was the story. And for me, that really wasn't the story of the film, uh, but. For people who remember the the Boz, uh, you know the whole Boz saga, that was a big event for them. So it really felt like if we could get uh, if we could get Bo in there, that would be great. And one of the other people that we really wanted to get, we actually we did get in that first set of interviews, and that was uh, Tony Casillas, because uh, Tony Casillas was one of the the great players in OU football history. He also played for the Cowboys. So, uh, um, obviously anybody who ends up playing for the Cowboys has a, has a, a bigger stage, uh, just because of, of its, uh, their, their, uh, reputation, obviously. Um, and so, but Casillas was someone who absolutely hated the boss and still, still to this day hates him. So it was just fantastic to convince him to do this because, uh, I was, you know, we were all in conversation to get him in. And it was like, look, um, 
I want you to come on and tell us what a jerk this guy really was, you know, uh, um, and and don't worry about you coming off looking bad or anything like that because you're airing dirty laundry or or any of that. I mean, the, the whole point of you in the film is to remind us that, that this is not, you know, hero worshiping. This this guy really had a lot of uh, did a lot of detrimental things to 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 the team, to people around him, and and if we can have someone who can very specifically articulate as Tony Casillas does in the film, you know why not to root for this guy? It, it it's 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 going to be a great addition to the film, and I don't I mean uh, you you can tell me, but I don't think Tony Casillas comes off looking uh, uh, um, too terrible in the film. I think he he look he comes off as saying as someone who cared about uh, his football team and didn't like to see uh, um, someone with an ego uh, uh, wreck what he, well what he felt was wreck of the team chemistry. Um, but yeah, I mean, so other, other, uh, like really it was just Tony Casillas and, uh, and Bo. And, uh, uh, I mean, obviously the other interview we would have loved would have been with his father, but his father was a few years dead, which of course is actually why Brian was in a place where he could, um, um, actually deal with these kinds of things. I mean, it's, 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 well, let's get into that too. Cause you mentioned two years after the initial interviews, you start work on the film and you mentioned the, the format used for that storytelling, the, his father's storage shed. How did, he, how did you figure out that was in play? And when did you decide to use this as a, a format to tell the story? Because it, it's one of the most effective parts about the film is him going through the storage shed, showing his son all this memorabilia, memories from Oklahoma, memories from his pro football career, and just kind of use that to, you know, let him get some, some, a real, a bunch of real retrospective moments and, and frankly, a lot of regret. Yeah. So, uh, as I was saying right at the beginning of, of this, uh, about the idea of the films already existing, uh, um, that it, this is just such a perfect example of it. Um, so, so we, we finally got this deal and we, uh, uh, we had started to, to do the work and we'd come up conceptually with, this is kind of the, the structure, uh, of how we're going to, to tell this story. And, you know, we knew the big points we wanted to hit. And in this, as we were starting up the, the, uh, uh, um, interview process again, uh, we get a call from Brian, who had just gotten a call from his mother in Irving, Texas, and uh, his mother was going to be moving out of the house that she had lived in since Brian was in junior high, and uh, she calls up, uh, she calls up Brian and says, hey, uh, your father kept all this stuff in the attic, uh, do you want any of it? And Brian was like, uh, no, but I'm sure these film guys will. <laughs> and so the call comes in that, hey, uh, we've got this, we've got this, the, my mother has all this stuff. And, and my first reaction is like, whoa, whoa, whoa don't, don't touch it. Don't touch it. We want to go with it. Gold mine. <laughs> 
<laughs> right, right. And the funny thing is, is like Chip, I think, was the one who got that call. Chip was way ahead of me, like because I, I didn't even have to tell him. Like, yes, that's we need to be there for that. So now uh, moms being what they are, the next time Brian was uh, in Irving, uh, his mother wouldn't let him leave without him taking the stuff in the attic. And, and he, he, he was like, I didn't look at it. I just carried it down to the truck and he drove it from Irving directly to our production office in Austin, Texas. And we went through it. And by we, I mean our, our youngest interns. Uh, they really earned their keep. They earned their credit on it. They, they went through the, the uh, uh, you know, cobweb uh, and, and rodent dropping, uh, you know, all all of this stuff from some, something that's been in a Texas attic for 30 years, you know, uh, um, but, but Brian's dad had, had, as you see in the film, he kept everything. And so we, we went through, we cleaned it up and then we, we put it in that, in that storage unit and we just, uh, uh, repacked it in, in boxes and we numbered the boxes for Brian to go through. So it actually went through in the order of the way we wanted to, uh, lay it out in the film. So, yeah, I mean, I've seen the, the reviews of the film that say that, uh, that part feels scripted, uh, or uh, no, it wasn't scripted. If that part feels staged, I'm like, well, of course it was staged. We had it well lit, you know, we had cameras in there. Uh, but it was, they, Brian had not seen uh, what his dad had kept, and and uh, obviously his son had no idea. So we actually spent like it was Memorial Day. Uh, we spent the entire day uh, going through that that storage unit. It was it was exhausting, and uh, we we wore the two of them out. I mean, and and the interesting thing is is that we were already putting together the film uh, before we actually shot that. And uh, my editor and I, we had so many different points where it's like, okay, this is where we're going to have to go to the storage unit. And so there were all these different black spots in the film. And we were just banking on this storage unit uh, <laughs> sequence uh, working out. Uh, um, and, and boy, did it. I mean, it was just because like that. I've got a question about uh, the setting up the storage unit. Yeah, okay. You need, to pull, you need to pull back the curtain on. It's been six years since the movie dropped. It is okay. Was that actually the original National Communist Against Athletes Welcome to Russia shirt that he wore in, in that orange bowl he was suspended for? Yes, absolutely. That's incredible. And he hadn't seen it since then. He was like, he couldn't believe his father had it. Why would he keep it? It was not something his father was proud of, but like his father kept everything. If it was... If it was memorabilia from Brian's playing career, this is the his dad was the ultimate, you know, um, uh, aggressive parent, like uh, trying to capture the glory through his kids. So we have so many, you know, so many 60 minutes or E60 stories about uh, about parents totally, you know, ruining the joy of, of their children's sports because they're trying to have their own glory. That was absolutely Brian's dad. And, and that's why anything I'm sure he would have kept like uh, this was the syringe that Brian uh, got caught using steroids with. You know, I mean, it was it, it was ridiculous. I mean, you know, he was keeping he kept uh, uh, um, specific, uh, you know, the, the college uh, entrance exams, all of these different things were, were in there. It was it was ridiculous and uh, um, and beautiful for us. I mean, like he kept those masks and um 
I don't know if we had the the other famous T-shirt, uh, if we actually showed it in the movie, but uh, um, it was one, uh, I can't even remember, it's been six years now, but like, uh, Brian was pretty famous uh, for one of his Monday night games, not the Bo Jackson game, um, he was, I, it was, it was, uh, I think it was against John Elway in, in Denver, and there was this big uh, dust up between, you know, Boz said something awful about uh, about Elway. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we I don't think we showed it in the movie, uh, but we definitely had uh, uh, we definitely had it spoken about about how uh, Boz created these T-shirts, uh, unbeknownst to the people of Denver. But he sold all these anti-Boz T-shirts to the people in Denver, and, and he made he made the money off of it. It was it was it was it was Boz's own company putting out the T-shirts. But uh, you know that was another thing that. Uh, that his dad kept and 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 yes that was absolutely the t-shirt and it had a nice little stain on it and uh uh his his uh his son really wanted to keep it so his son kept it and uh uh, his son really wanted to wear it to to high school one day, and uh, and, and as far as I know, Brian never let it happen. <laughs> but, That's actually one of my favorite parts of the of the doc is his recounting of the t shirt incident because I think it's I think it's about as regretful as he gets in the. It's a very sobering moment. He is very like clearly super pissed with himself and just. And just despondent. I mean, it had been almost 30 years, and he's still... Um, you could still see the effect. I think any other of my favorite scenes all had to do with... Or my favorite moments all had to do with Barry Switzer. And mm-hmm. just, like, talking about, you know, him rolling into Boz's high school and just, you know, everything about him. What, what was your big takeaway from the experience with Barry Switzer? Because obviously he's not, he's not blameless in a lot of, you know, Bosworth's notoriety. Uh, before we move to, to to Barry, I just want to say you know one thing about the T-shirt because yeah, it's, go for it. It's uh, uh, this is a great cheat for any of your listeners who are wanting to make sports films or or just any kind of documentary work in, in general. Um, you know, a, a a network like ESPN and uh, and plenty of others are are going to want to know you know what that turning point is what's the, the the this changes everything moment so when i did pony excess i i didn't realize the 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 big advantage i already had which was that the the death penalty was a single event and and in my talking about doing that film everything that i talked about was around that one event and so um, as i was sort of Moving down the line of making uh, 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 Brian and the Boz, uh, I realized that 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 one event was was very important, and and I was searching for that as we were putting it together, and I did not ever really think it was going to be the T-shirt moment, but but as we as we started to get into it, I mean that it became more and more apparent that that was really when the Boz went from being a character to this out of control thing that Brian couldn't pull back anymore, and as soon as we discovered that. Uh, I just was very adamant that we gotta, we have to. That's the turning point of the film. So everything we're doing is gonna is gonna wrap around that. And so, while it might not be the secret to any uh, filmmaking, uh, especially documentaries, if you can if you can really find that moment. And then the reason why I bring up ESPN to it is that a lot of my 
pitch meetings on other projects, etc. Uh, um, the 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 executives really want to know what the movie is going to be about. So if you've already done, I, I know that sounds silly, but it, but but like everything is pretty uh, uh, um, up in the air, uh, ethereal. But if you can tell them that. It's when he wore the T-shirt that everything changed. All of a sudden, the executives are like, "Oh, okay, tell us how." And and so the the just just if you're listening to this, start looking at your favorite story and pick out that that real moment and start to then build your before and after. Like, what were the things that led up to that? You know, how did it change? You know, people's minds in the public eye. What did it change about the person or the program, etc. And so. Yeah, I mean, like I, that that was a big moment in in Brian's life. But before we we dug in and saw the 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 toll that it took, uh, um, we didn't know that that was actually going to be the moment. So um, I can so circle Barry back. Switzer, yes, the coolest cat on the planet. Yeah, uh, he, Barry did not did not like me for a long time until the movie came out. Uh, because when we first interviewed him, the idea at that time was still that this was going to be uh, Barry and the Boz or uh, feeding the monster. And so I told Coach Switzer, I was like, look, uh, Coach, I'm going to ask you uncomfortable questions. And I know you don't want to answer them. But if you would please just humor me. And if it's something that you don't want to talk about, say it. But I have to... In doing this, we're, we're doing this interview to to really unearth what the story of this film is going to be. You and Brian are the most important interviews, and so um, I'm just going to I'm just going to ask these questions. And he's really someone who's used to people coming in and kissing the ring, and and you know if he doesn't want to talk about X, Y, or Z, you're not going to talk about X, Y, or Z. Um, and I really tried his patience and, uh, to his credit, he really wanted to do something for, that was positive for Brian. And so he sat through this, this, you know, multi-hour interview, uh, not thrilled with where I was going. Um, but I, you know, I just, I, I kept saying to him, look, uh, um, if we can get your truth in this, then you're going to come off you're going to come off well in in this film. If it looks like that you're trying to hide something, that that will that will play. I mean, I'm I'm not going to try and you know uh, uh, bury you with this uh, um, or or anything like that. It, 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 as long as you're you're telling your truth. And so uh, the funny thing is, is that we. I mean, it was a great day, it, except for it, it being at times difficult. Uh, it was Barry's story is is incredible so we did the whole we did the whole thing where we talked about bootleggers boy you know his uh, i i'm gonna get some of this wrong uh because it's been a while but uh, uh barry was the son of a bootlegger he grew up uh, on the wrong side of the tracks uh his uh um all of his basically all of his friends were african-american um because he he grew up in that part of town and uh you know there was there's murder there's suicide it's a really sad sad story uh and and a triumphant one though that he came out of this uh, from his small town uh in arkansas and went to the university of arkansas but so we went through all of that um and we also went through the the um the end of his time at ou which he he didn't want to talk about 
Uh, um, but but to his credit, he did, uh, and then he just you know uh, did not did not like me until uh, until the movie came out. And uh, I can tell the story about him being at the premiere in one second. Uh, but I mean, I know you are probably thinking about like the the fur coat and uh, um, uh, is there is there any that's kind exactly of- what I'm thinking about. They they told the story of um, how in awe Bosworth was. I think Bosworth told the story about how awe he was of, of Switzer walking into his high school and pointing at Brian Bosworth. And that was one of my favorite. That was, I think, um, there was a lot in the pony excess that was like that, the grandeur of college football versus this one was a very sobering look at in an individual and a couple of relationships. But that kind of brought in the grandeur of college football, I think, because Barry Switzer embodied that in a lot of ways. He's just generally very entertaining in this film. Oh, it, yeah, it, a lot of fun. And I mean, we <laughs> uh, when we went to shoot this B-roll, I made sure I was there because I wanted to be there. But we shot B-roll of that cafeteria. It didn't really matter. Uh, it could have been any school cafeteria. But but we had to go there where the where the where's boss? Where's boss? I gotta see you. <laughs> so the the great thing was, is that like uh, um, we definitely got a number of stories of that high school uh, 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 lunchroom cafeteria moment because it, it really, it made a, an impression on like, uh, everybody who, who was eating lunch at the time, as I'm sure it would be, it'd be burned in your brain that, that the time that, <laughs> that Barry Switzer walked into our high school wearing a fur coat, <laughs> yelling, and pointed, at, pointed at one of my friends and, right. and said he wants him to come play linebacker for him. Um, Another contrast to kind of the pony excess that, you know, um, you, you had a clear vision from the get go since it was your, you know, your passion project, you're an SMU fan about what the story you wanted to tell, how you wanted to tell it. And kind of, I think what you wanted people to, to think about SMU when you, um, you know, when they saw the film, when you wrap this one, and sent it, you know, did did whatever you got to do to get it to premiere, what, however that process works. When, as, as someone who, you know, you had some, some initial bias about Bosworth, originally you weren't interested in making it, and then you met the man, went through this process, went through all these interviews, saw his regret. What did you want viewers to take away from... You know, after that, from the finished product, what did, what did you think? What did you want someone to watch this and say, hmm, I did, you know, what, what what's that takeaway? Yeah, I mean, re- honestly, it's it's like you're never too old to grow up. You're never too old to own the wreckage of your past. I mean, you know, for me, it was it's it's like we do so much to try and get away from who we are, uh, especially at a young age. And, and, you know, uh, um, for, for many of us, it can be, uh, uh, you know, alcohol related mistakes. Uh, but it's, 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 it's all about this idea of like being something that you're not. And, and if you, you know, at least for me and, and my college experience, uh, I remember, there's so much that I went through that, that all my friends went through that those are things that you don't want to necessarily define you for the rest of your life because you're in college to make mistakes. You're in college to learn uh, what you're not supposed to do in, in, in a world where you're on your own finally. And, and, and Brian was someone whose, whose mistakes were, were public and then he never got to uh, heal publicly from, 
from them. So, like, um, you know, you might have a negative view of LeBron James, but for the most part, people seem to have a, a positive uh, vibe about LeBron. Uh, maybe you don't like him because he's he's beaten your teams, but there was a time uh, when LeBron went to Miami initially, and the way that worked out, as you recall, was uh, the the. Uh, the choice was that what it was called, uh, where, where the, the the publicly televised, you know, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you where I'm gonna go, and I'm taking my talents to South Beach, and mm-hmm. so yeah, the decision. Yeah, there you go, the decision. Uh, um, uh, I it was really interesting because when we were making uh, um, this movie, and during the time we were making it, uh, LeBron was still in Miami, and uh, you know, I talked about how. Um, uh, LeBron had made that that uh, uh, announcement at a time when he was really around the same age as as Boz had been uh, when Boz did the the T-shirt thing, um, and so I, I talked about it a lot. And then during the course of making the movie, uh, LeBron went back to Cleveland and he 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 wrote this letter uh, to Cleveland, and uh, I, and I was like, see, that's it. You know, uh, LeBron was a young guy. He made a, a, a you know, a brash ego mistake uh, as a young guy, being a young guy. But because he stayed in the public eye, uh, he was able to uh, uh, grow in front of us in, in a way that, that, that Bosworth never could. So wherever Brian went, they always wanted the Boz, and the Boz wasn't him. And so for me... I just I wanted I wanted Brian to be able to go to places, uh, and if people recognized him, it okay it'd be okay for him to just be Brian rather than this 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 jerk. And and I was fortunate enough to um, get to know Brian as, as a friend during the course of making this, and you could really see it. We would go out and uh he'd be you know he'd be brian and then all of a sudden somebody would come up and would want the boss and this you know animal jerky you know uh, thing would come out of him and it was just kind of like all right brian i'll catch you tomorrow (laughs) you know uh um uh, but but i i think i think i've gotten out of it uh more than i could have ever expected but uh to, to just sort of like understand and see Brian successfully uh, living and knowing that we were just a tiny part of that. It was such a gift to be present and to, to, to document and for him to allow us inside this, this, this really transformative time uh, in his life where, where again, he became comfortable being who he is. And, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. He still makes mistakes because he spent 30 years playing this character, but you can see his, uh, um, you know, his his true self coming through. Uh, um, uh, ev- you know, every time he may make a mistake, they're not as public. But uh, he he's just a, he's he's a good guy who who needs to 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 have more people rooting for him as 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 so many of us do. And uh, and and I guess that, I mean like I'm I'm rambling on this answer, but it's really I really the, the idea of of being able to make some mistakes, being able to, and then having the the ability to own them. And for a lot of us, we're not in the public eye. And if you make a mistake within the public eye, uh, the it, the biggest way to recover from it is to be able to own it in that space. And so that's that's really what I'm I'm the most proud of and happy with is is seeing him grow 
and and seeing him interact with people and people wanting to know him as Brian Bosworth. I think that's an okay answer to ramble on too. You you said rambling, but I think all that was important because I think the thing about documentaries is is how you feel or what you learned after you watch them. I think in a lot of ways, and maybe maybe film in general. And in Bosworth, obviously, it's been it's been quite an odyssey. Um, shouts to him. Uh, he, he recovered enough to uh, be in the the longest yard remake, which I really enjoy. It's on TNT all the time. He's one of the uh, the prison guard football players. Um, I I want to get you out of here with one. You we mentioned that the the t shirt thing was probably the most important point in the film, or the kind of like the climax in the film, the the death penalty from uh, Pony Excess. In the same way, and we, we talked about the you know the Switzer story being one of my favorites. Did you have a favorite, a favorite story or, or you know part of the film or you know something we haven't talked on yet, or maybe something you heard off camera that didn't make it in that was like this is my favorite thing I've heard while making this movie. Oh boy, that that is a, a really good question, and and you know nothing's really coming to me. Uh, uh, beyond all the great stories about about uh, uh, Switzer walking into the to the locker room, but I mean, you know, uh, we we did go into some detail on things that couldn't necessarily be corroborated, which which weren't uh, you know as positive, but but it was just really showing the extent uh, of of Brian's dad uh, to the to the detriment of his son's joy in the game um and like those things were uh um i I mean they were they were fascinating to me in the sense of uh of of how to sort of ruin the fun of a game (laughs) for 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 a kid Uh, but i mean i i i honestly can't can't say that that uh uh, the, the quote that 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 my editor and my producers and we though you know it was always like where's boss where's boss <laughs> just just no matter what and 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 i mean like i'm i'm trying to i'm really trying to recall but but the the you know i just i loved coming in um every day when when the boxes were being gone through i mean it was while we were editing so i had to walk through the rooms where where the the people going through the boxes and it was just like you know it was such an awesome way to walk into the edit bay just to sort of like see all this this memorabilia and it was also i mean what was also fun for me as just a football fan was to strip away the veneer of the character of the boss and strip away you know whether I was a fan or not of Oklahoma, um, and just enjoy uh, uh, Brian Bosworth as a football player because he was spectacular and he would just take over these games. And, you know, I, I, I mentioned it in Pony Excess uh, when, when we talked about that as well. Uh, the, it was so much fun to just be able to see these old games and enjoy these these elements uh, on their own. And, and I mean, like, even though we did interviews about how amazing he was, but then to just press play and see him, like... <laughs> take over games it was it was crazy and and also like I, I you know now that I say this my top memory is is like of the the emotional uh, um, contingent for for my editor and we had we had more than one editor uh, I should say but but for the most part it was my lead editor Christos Pathiakis and I that were in the edit bay and to see Christos you know uh, go through this and just have this like 
fatherly uh, love for someone that he really didn't even meet and just wanting the best for this guy as we put this out in the world was really amazing. And then I, I remember we, we were at the uh, we were at the premiere and like, you know, uh, Christos and I had spent every day with Brian for, you know, nine months. And he didn't know that, right? But like, you know, it was just like the, the kind of the emotion of celebrating that. And and, and Brian's like, oh, who's this Christos guy? <laughs> you know, and and just the, the it was such a it was such a fun emotion to sort of to sort of really care about someone who um, growing up with him as a as 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 a piece of pop culture uh, and not thinking of him as, you know, a human being behind that to really take this kind of ownership of of the love and, and nurturing of, of his uh, emotional well-being was was really cool. And I will say that speaking of the premiere, the end of the story with with Barry Switzer is uh um, Barry, again, was not happy with me, and uh, uh, we got him out to the premiere in New York, and he he wasn't talking to me, any of that kind of stuff. He did not want to be there, but Brian was like, please, coach, I, I, I need you to be there. So when we did the, the, the New York premiere, at the beginning, uh, the uh, ESPN producers, executives are introducing everybody that's there. And when they introduce uh, uh, Coach Switzer, he has to stand up and he, he tells the whole audience, I just need to announce that I'm here under duress. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, <laughs> Forever the showman, by the way. Right. And so, like, the crazy thing is, is that, oh, man, a week after uh, the movie came out, he loved it. And he was so happy with me and, like, everything was all good. And I was like... Coach, I told you I wasn't gonna. You know, I'm like, I like just, just tell me the truth. I'm not, you know, I'm not here to do a, a gotcha piece, and that's exactly what he thought that I was doing. But I, you know, uh, um, Brian had 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 chosen to trust me, and and Barry was trusting Brian, but but relying on his his lifelong, uh, uh, you know, negative reaction to to people who he didn't didn't know who asked asked him things he didn't want to talk about. Well, Thaddeus, it, it, it's a fantastic film. It's an emotional film. Um, I, I think you did a you did a knockout job. I'm, I'm glad that you were the guy behind the reins, and I am glad that you were able to join me talk about this one. Uh, tell the folks where they can follow you on social media, where they can check out uh, any upcoming work and any past work. Yeah, so just follow me at Thad Films on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm also on Facebook. You can you can friend request me there. I'm Thaddeus Matula. Uh, if I if you don't know already know someone I know, I probably won't say yes for a couple months. Uh, um, but uh, definitely on on Insta and and uh, Twitter. The <clears throat> I could give you websites etc. But it's really not worth it because uh, you'll get all your information there. And uh, you know, look in the future. Uh, I've got a, uh, a doc series coming up next year. Uh, about uh, special needs adults who put on a, a musical together. Uh, a different that's a different kind of story for me. And then uh, I also have a uh, you know that sounds like something that's going to make me cry. Well, I hope so. I hope so. that's that's <laughs> kind of the, 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 the that's kind of the plan. I mean, you know, the thing is, is that I'm a big fan of of the human spirit and 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 finding uh, people's passion and allowing people to connect with uh, a person's passion. I mean, like, for example, with Brian and the Boz, 
I made that in Austin, and so pretty much everybody that I interacted with uh, on a daily basis, a lot of them were Texas uh, grads or fans or whatnot, and so uh, the cool thing was making that in Austin and seeing that I had such an impact on all those people who, you know, hated the Sooners, hated Boz, but to be able to go through and root for the guy, etc., you know, it's just like, it's, if you can connect, again, with, with an individual's passion, uh, you can make fans out of anybody for that person, and, and I just, I think that, like, the, the, these, these individuals with intellectual disabilities, they have, this, um, there are challenges for them. You know, often it's said that, oh, they're just like us except for X, Y, and Z. But really just the, just the, just living can be a challenge to overcome. And so we're going to have a great time seeing these individuals come together to create an original musical and, and, you know, memorize lines and get up on a stage. And it's, it's just going to be uh, a beautiful uh, emotional thing and, you know, triumph of the human spirit. Uh, and uh, then at the same time next year, I'm, I'm doing a, a post-apocalyptic Western. So that'll be fun too. Well, I teared up watching a Ritz commercial tonight, so uh, that your your upcoming series is going to get me. But Thaddeus, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you haven't yet, rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It does do help the pods. Uh, next week, we're starting the rewatch Eastbound and Down Season 1. Me and Jeremy lost from the Blue Wire Network. Looking forward to that. If you're an Eastbound and Down fan, I hope you'll tune in. We'll see you next Monday. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.